and feel myself rot. The pain of being dead. You don't seem to have much, if any, reasoning power. Seventeen seconds. Reanimation at seventeen seconds. The eyes open. Not dead? Are you mad? I saw her die. The doctor signed a certificate. I saw them bury her. Look at the face. It's vacant. With a hint of sadness. Infected with what? Rage. In the midst of a pandemic, we took a break. For Halloween, we're back from the dead. Blood and Black Rum Podcast is Hello everyone and welcome back to the Blood and Black Rum Podcast. I'm Ryan from ColtsPlaytation.com and I'm joined by my co-host Martin. How's it going? We're back again with another episode of our reanimated series uh, for Halloween. If you didn't uh, listen to the last episode or, you know, for some reason, uh, we've been doing zombie films for Halloween for this year because we took a quite a long hiatus uh, when the pandemic started and we decided that we wanted to come back at least for Halloween and do our usual stuff, get back to the people who, who love us. <laughs> so uh, the theme is zombies. Last week we did Dawn of the Dead, not the original. But the remake by Zack Snyder, if you listen to that episode, you'll see that we are not huge fans of that film, um, at least c- contemporarily, maybe back when, a long time ago we were, but not anymore. And this week, we've got a fun film uh, that kind of corresponds with Dawn of the Dead, obviously not the remake, but the original, We're talking about 1979's zombie or zombie 2 if you are referring to the italian version of the film uh but in in any case it's the film with the zombie and the shark you can (laughs) refer to it that way the lucio fulci film with the zombie and the shark and that should give you everything that you need to know if you've seen it before if you haven't then your interest is peaked i think that's uh i think that's where a lot of the appeal for zombie came from um especially for like american shores people not really knowing much about it hearing the name and then hearing some tidbits probably from you know people who have seen it or um magazines things like that about like oh yeah there's a zombie that fights a shark in it it's pretty cool uh there's a famous eye gouging scene in it 
and gore hounds were like, I gotta see this movie. You know, and, and this could have even been uh, post-1979, because uh, like a lot of these Italian films uh, that were released, was, they were pretty hard to see. So you had this movie that comes out, and then you have the hearsay, the people who are like, yeah, it's pretty gory, uh, it's pretty violent, uh, good special effects, cool zombies, uh, you should see it. And so you have that kind of culmination of people who are hearing about this film and not able to see it, and then eventually, like on home video, VHS, something like that, they eventually see it in poor quality. And they say, <laughs> wow, that was everything I was expecting and more. <laughs> and thus, the Gorehound, the Fulci fan, they were born. <laughs> now, obviously, we are not old enough to have been a part of that crowd. Um, by the time we were born and around and watching films, uh, those movies were pretty, I wouldn't say readily available, but they were more widely available than um, you know previously. And there were still some uh, issues with like trying to find a good quality version or um, like an uncut version, but not to the extent that people in the 80s would have had trying to trying to track down films like this. So you said that you've actually never seen Zombie before. I have not. And the naming convention was sort of a confusing point for you. Right? Yeah. Because you said you knew that the Zombie 2... I knew of Zombie 2. Zombie 2 had a shark in it. I didn't know that part. Oh, you didn't know that part? No, I just knew that in Italy, as they like to do, when something makes money, they just make something else unrelated, slap a name on it that's the same, and sequelize it. So, I mean, being a fan of the original Dawn of the Dead, I didn't know that in Italy it was called Zombie, Mm -hmm. and then they had Zombie 2. Yep. And which then, was done, yeah, which was done by Luca Fulci, which I knew I knew about. That's like about the sound of it. That's right, how I do. Just right, never stop because, um, as we have done a bunch of Italian films on here, as you know from all those reviews, very you know even still to this point, still very uh on them. They've been more misses than there have been hits with me. Okay, so the interest in um. Italian film in well, general. Think about it. Besides spaghetti westerns. When we did like all those Dario Argento films, the only one that I've really been like, oh, in awe of is Tenebrae. Mm-hmm. I like Tenebrae. Phenomena, I thought it was me. You know, not bad. Suspiria, I thought it looks good, but it's a pretty boring film, you know. Mm-hmm. And then some of the Jallos we've done, I've been like, yeah, you know. So. So you weren't like in a riparian mood to, uh, go out and watch zombie no it's the same thing too like i love spaghetti westerns too but they're you know very much a hit or miss oh those you know? yeah for sure yeah and, and a lot of that too comes from the fact that everybody and their mom had to make a film like that once they became popular so it was like oh you know it's spaghetti westerns getting popular um everybody's got to do the man who needs vengeance for you know his mom being raped and murdered in the village or something like that that was that was like you know because we have a cluster of spaghetti westerns that did that idea basic to the t they have a mentor who comes along uh to help them get revenge do you think they just did you think they just did it because they're like listen 
Hollywood's not hiring Lee Van Cleef anymore. Right. <laughs> he yeah. really needs the money. And then the other thing, <laughs> and then the other thing that you have with uh, like Italian films too, is that there was a lot of uh, Italian productions that saw the appeal of an American film, and they wanted to remake it, or I shouldn't say remake, but basically reuse the idea, recycle the idea for Italian audiences at a cheaper budget, and then you know have it um, basically be the same idea just done differently um so there's a ton of those that you know came out of um out of the italian films of the 80s i wouldn't say zombie fits into that category it's not really a derivative um film that's a take off of dawn of the dead yes it does it does borrow though because like i um a lot of 70s films at the time i mean the fact it's set in the caribbean kind of uh, uh, opening off of you know some black exploitation. Same thing with like the whole voodoo element. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, I think that. Um, well, for one thing, the Caribbean element to this film is more in line with the cannibal films of the early '80s, um, which would you know, I, it they're similar related to zombie films um, in a way, and they have the same gore effects that you would expect, you know, ripping flesh, teeth, um, you know, stuff like that. But I would say that Fulci's zombie is more in line with what we get from cannibal films later on. Um, you do, I, I, I agree, you see some of Dawn of the Dead's influence here. Um, the effects particularly, like, you, you definitely see the, uh, the elements of Dawn of the Dead's effects creep into here. And even, you know, some of the Goblin score um, is, is um, you know, influenced here. Or is, is an influence, I should say, here uh, for Fabio Frizi. But it, he takes off on his own tangent as well with Zombie. So I think that we're working with both. We well, have... As I said when we were watching it, I think you're right. It does kind of have hints of, like, the Goblin soundtrack. Mm-hmm. But I would say almost, too, to a point, the soundtrack here kind of influences the Day of the Dead soundtrack of Romero sure. because... Yeah, you know, and, and that actually, one's very like a care, you know, got Caribbean tones and very over, you know, synth, especially yeah. like eighty style synth. But. Yeah, and I think we're working off of both. So you're saying, you know, Dawn of the Dead is certainly an influence on Zombie, and then Zombie is also an influence on Day of the Dead. You have that same Doctor mm. character who is sort of like the guy who's working. He's a doctor. He's trying to figure it out, but he's also Tom Savini brought his A game to Day of the Dead compared to Dawn of the Dead. Sure, yeah. which you know, uh, when we get deeper into the film, there's a comparison you can make on effects right that you know yeah um so i do see i see it both ways i see zombie as uh you know certainly influenced by dawn of the dead um it goes its own separate direction though for the most part you know and it definitely doesn't have the um the social element that dawn of the dead has or at least what it now has you know the how contextually we see that criticism of the film um but i would say that zombie has its own elements as well and um i don't want to say that it's derivative of uh dawn of the dead like some other italian films like shocking dark which is basically a rip off of you know films like terminator 2 and uh and, and other elements like that they, it's not a rip off per se it's it's its own separate element that fulci um 
brings that is probably one of his better works in general. Um, not only because the plotting is um, more understandable, you know, it has a, it has a plot that for the most part makes sense throughout, which um, can't really be said of, of a film like House by the Cemetery, which sort of loses itself in its own weirdness. Um, and it doesn't have as much, I shouldn't say, I shouldn't say it doesn't have any, but it doesn't have as much of the um, perceived misogynistic elements of, of Fulci's um, The New York Ripper, uh, which, you know, has been a controversy of that film and Fulci in general over his uh, career. So it doesn't have that either. Um, so it's kind of a, it's kind of its own beast in the Fulci canon. And, um, as you said, when you were watching it, the great lion of the seventies, when it comes to women, you're hysterical. Just constantly Absolutely. the man telling her, you're being delusional, hysterical. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's, if a woman has an issue, especially in like the seventies, it it's not it's hysteria. It's not real. It's hysteria. <laughs> yeah, it's just hysteria. You're they're just one. They're just one good hard firm fist away from you know being understanding. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Um, how far? We're we're, we're pretty far in. Uh, let's let's uh, go ahead and break, and we'll talk beer on the show. Um, and I don't have an ad to play right now, so we'll just go right into it. Let me cue up my Zombies Ate My Neighbors theme for the, uh, the <laughs> beer talk. Okay, we're good to go. <laughs> uh, we can't talk beer without the Zombies Ate My Neighbors theme for this. So, um, did you want to talk um, the Oktoberfest that we had today, or did you want to talk the beer that we have right now? We can Which do is, both. We can do both. All right. We can do both. There's so, no, no point, because... Uh, one of them will get left to the wayside. Never That's be. true. Yeah, we'll probably never do it again yeah. if we if we don't do it now. So that's a good idea. So uh, the we'll, first, go the, we'll go with the October first. That's yeah. first. The the beer that we started with because we're luscious and we we generally don't have just <laughs> one beer during the podcast. It's called Blood and Black Rum Podcast for a reason. Even though we don't normally have black rum on it, uh, <laughs> is uh, so we we started with Zero Gravity's Oktoberfest, which. Um, I've never had before. I've never had a zero. I don't. I don't. I really. I didn't check. Actually, I should have. But I don't think I've ever had a zero gravity beer before. I may have. Maybe once had like an IPA from them. Although that could have just been called a zero gravity IPA because they also use that as a yeah. as a yeah as a as yeah. a moniker for IPA. So I really can't remember if I've ever had a zero I don't gravity think, beer. I am pretty sure we haven't. Like the only Vermont right. breweries off the top of my head that we get around here. Magic head. Uh, Magic Hat, which actually I think they closed down their Vermont plant. Mm-hmm. Um, Long Trail from Vermont? Yep, Long, yep, Trail, Long Trail. Long Trail, which is like the Vermont Saranac, mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah, and uh, Two Roads. Oh, okay. Two Roads is from Vermont as well. Yeah. I didn't know that. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't see Zero Gravity very often. Um, and, and that makes sense because it's not widely distributed, for one thing. They're generally uh, in four packs, like 16 ounce four packs. Um, and that's what this Oktoberfest was. Um, one thing that I find interesting about distributing Oktoberfest in four packs is that generally Oktoberfests are fairly drinkable, meant to be drank in like sort of a session, even though they're they're a heavier sort of beer. The Oktoberfest idea is to drink many, (laughs) um, 
And so I find it interesting that some places are marketing their Oktoberfest as like a craft pack, like a like a significant IPA would be. Um, because I, I don't generally see Oktoberfest in that style. I would expect them to be like a 12-ounce crusher. You just, you know, I know power that's why, through them. That's why the Founders 15 pack Founders is so, 15. Yeah, is so delightful. Perfect. You know. So a perfect way to enjoy, especially if you're going to a party and you've got a bunch of people enjoying Oktoberfest, pop out that Founders yeah. 15 pack. Uh, the Zero Gravity is a four pack, sixteen ounce. Uh, not super expensive. It was like ten bucks for the four pack, so not too bad, um, it, or at least not what it could have been, you know, uh, for a four pack. Sometimes they go fifteen, twenty bucks. Um, so the Zero Gravity Oktoberfest uh, is a traditional Marzen style, um, and I would say that it is not as malty as. Um, not as malty as the Thin Man Brewing one that I've had. Uh, the Founders is fairly malty as well. And I would say that this one is probably a little bit less than both of those. Though still on the maltier side for an uh, German Oktoberfest. Still feels like fall. Still feels like it. fall. That's right. Yeah, I don't know where maltiness came from to say that maltiness is the fall flavor. I but think, it certainly does now I think, that we've had I so many. I think for us, though, it's when we've... Because, like, I, our first love was Sam Adams' Oktoberfest. Mm. And, you know, just, like, cracking that on a nice... Back when they used to still release, you know, fall packs in, like, the beginning of November. Yeah. You know, cracking that open and being like, oh, you know, with the crisp breeze, the cool night. Yep. The malts just make it feel like fall. You know? So, I don't know why, but they do. Which is a far cry from what Sam Adams' fucking fall pack is this year. Yeah. 76, the lager, Oktoberfest, and pumpkin. This is a bad pack. Um, so, with the zero gravity, though, what did you think, you know, in comparison to other Oktoberfests you had and, you know, in just the general flavor profile? I liked it a lot. I, I'm pretty sure I gave it a, a four on untapped. It was crisp, it was nice and malty, but like, uh, like a nice balance between like a, like a more German style and an American because it was malty but not like super malty, light and refreshing even though it's like you know six you know ABV, very delightful. It's I wish that'd be like a twelve that'd be a good twelve pack to it would get. Be. Yeah. It's kind of you know sucks that you only had it in a four pack because it's gonna you're gonna be longing. Right, right. And I liked it quite a bit. I'd get it again. Yeah, I definitely would check it out again. I was I was impressed. You know, not having zero gravity beer before that I know of. Um, would definitely check it out again. And I'm just one of those people that will just try anybody's Oktoberfest. You know, I'm going to give it a shot no matter who you are. I, I, like, I'll, and I, in, in general, during the fall season, I don't like to stick with just one Oktoberfest. I'll go everybody's. No, you got to try I, them all. I'll, I'll try them all. I'll just give me, just keep giving me different Oktoberfests. Yeah. And, and, I, and we'll just go through it. Uh, and find the absolute best one that you possibly can find. Because um, there's, n- I mean, I would say that there's some variability to Oktoberfest, but not a huge variability to them. Um, they they all have the same sort of flavor profile, at least for American styles. The one that I can think of that would be, uh, you know, sl- some of a, a slightly different take on Oktoberfest would be the Darktoberfest from Saranac, which we talked about before and how much we like that Dark- a billion Dark- times yeah exactly so that would be a different take on it although you know for the most part i feel like many of the Oktoberfest are fairly similar in style um they don't they don't change too much with the recipe um 
So yeah, check out uh, check out Zero Gravity Oktoberfest. It's pretty good. Vermont Vermont brewery. The next beer that we have uh, was one that we've been looking for for a long time. I think we talked about it maybe on the last show, uh, or at least mentioned that we were looking for it. Um, as you probably, if you've listened to our show before, you know that we have Genesee Brewing Company on the show quite a bit as we try all of their different brew house, uh, the brew house pilot batches and the various cream ales that they release on a seasonal basis uh, because we are big fans of what they do with the cream ales and they've sort of extended themselves past the general cheap beer line uh, to try new things, especially in the craft world. And so one that we had that had been eluding us for a while is the new cream ale that they've they've put out. And it, is it a summer seasonal? Is that what it's supposed to be? Technically fall. Technically fall. I mean, the before this, they had lemon strawberry cream ale, which we've done. Um, and that's that's really the summer seasonal. Which that was last summer that came out, like right at the tail end. Mm-hmm. And that lasted until just now, where they replaced it with a new cream ale style. Yep. Which is the dry hopped cream ale. Yeah. Which and they've done before in the cream ale variety pack. They've done the mosaic dry hop cream, cream ale, which was very good. Yeah. That's uh, that actually, bringing that up, that was a very confusing point on Untapped to try to find the correct <laughs> one because they had a bunch of different dry hops on there and like they had the mosaic dry hop people were incorrectly checking into that one with the dry hop cream ale and it's not that one and i know they've, they've done other types of styles just at their brew house where you can only get it on tap they've done like different like hop variety and like flavor profiles on the yeah. cream ale which they haven't gotten a wide release yep uh this one is really good uh it is in line with something like the um noble pills uh, which was a great spring seasonal from yep. Sam Adams. Yep. Uh, so it is sort of like that with uh, the hop profile to it. Um, and I, I, I might even guess that they did use Noble Hop. I don't know what hop they used in this, but they may have used the Noble Hops in this because it is very similar in taste to that. Uh, what we actually get is a very light beer, um, refreshing, um, crisp it's uh, like 4.5 percent or something like that so it's on the lighter side sessionable um and obviously low in calories as well because when you're talking about alcohol content the higher the alcohol content generally the higher the calorie count as well and not only that but you do get that hop balance get a little bit of that lemony flavor to it as well from the hop um just a just a tad it's not like overwhelmingly lemon but certainly a, a nice citrus uh, bite to it on the end. And I, I think it's really good. I, it's very drinkable. Very easy to, to pound through. Yeah, I agree. I, uh, great and piney, the hop. You know, you're right. Very well maybe a noble hop, um, which adds a nice characteristic to the, their cream ale style, which is one of my favorite styles. I You know, as I've said a billion times before in the podcast, I wish other brewers would try something with the cream ale and do something different because it's a style that I think would lend itself to different like a billion different craft varieties you know with all the different types of fruits and hops you can add to it that you know and I would say that it's uh, got a very very light bitterness to it just very very smooth 
So even people that don't kind of like a rec league, you know, that's you know yeah. from which I mean not, not nearly as light as you know the rec league, but that's got like that right amount of especially for like a super light pale ale where it's you know got that fresh piney hop bite to it, but it's you know very just light beer itself, and that pininess is like like a quick like hard kiss, like Mwah! and it's like gone. <laughs> yeah, you know. this, is a, this is a little peck. Yeah, a little peck. Then you then you're done. This one. Folks, it's going to be hard to find, probably, in your area, if you are not in upstate New York at all. Um, and I think the, they are widely distributing this. Are they really? Yeah, like, it's going to be distributed. They they were saying they plan on distri- uh, distributing it um, across the country to the places they generally distribute je- the rest of their Genesee products, so. Interesting. Um, it's not like the brew house stuff, where some of it's limited to, like, the Northeast like, you know, when they release, like, Scotch Ale and they're, like, Salted Caramel Porter. Mm. Uh, this should be getting a wide release, so it should be available. It's just weird it's just, that it wasn't th- for us. I think in, like, a week or two, because I had to go out, you know, an hour to Utica to get it. So it's going to get here, I think, right now, just because of the pandemic and stuff. It's, you know, basically s- slow going. Because yeah. there's also, you know, a 12-ounce can shortage, too, right now because oh, yeah. of aluminum, so... Basically, if you want this beer right now, the upstater you are, the better <laughs> for uh, for New York, I would say. Um, yeah, the further the further to Western New York, yeah. I mean, the closer you are to Western New York, you know. Because mm-hmm. I was almost thinking driving out to Syracuse and just going to Wegmans and being like, "Fuck it," you know. Because <laughs> yeah. that's the Disneyland of grocery stores, anyway. Just go in there, and absolutely. Just have some fun make, in there. Just make it a day, you know. That's right. That's right. Stop the deli. Yeah, you know, get all the different types of olives and stuff. Mm. God knows what. Mm. All right, but I, I would definitely say, yeah, I look forward to this being around, you know, all year. It's going to be great, you know. Yeah, it it would have been good to have during the summer because they are so light and refreshing. Would have been a good mix-up to go between the Kolsch and that, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, you know, it's sometimes 40 degrees outside in New York State, so... We're dealing with a quick onset of fall fall uh, temperatures. Yeah, we didn't have any in between summer and not really fall. No. Ju- fall just came. Okay. <laughs> Bam! Let me stop this. Gotta say, I do like that zombies ate my neighbor's theme. It's fun. It reminds you of being extremely pissed off that you couldn't get past like the chopping mall section of the the game or something like that, where all those fucking uh, dolls that come out of the box. Uh, yeah. I wonder if they have like a cheat code for like invincibility on it. Well, they have cheat codes where you could. No, I know they have cheat. Like yeah, levels, different levels, but but I think those are predicated on what you did in the previous game. Uh, I think right? you can use any password. Maybe. Maybe. But I thought it was fitting to use Zombies at My Neighbor's theme for, you know, the Zombies <laughs> reanimator series that we're doing. So just hopefully picked, everybody just picked up on that you in the just last pick, episode. You should have just picked a random, like, Resident Evil song or, you know. Yeah. Just something, yeah, that isn't as immediately recognizable. Or some, like, thing, like, random from, like, Fatal Frame. For all you weebs out there. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, so getting into zombie. We or talked or zombie two. Or zombie two. However you want with to an refer eye. to it. Yeah, with an with just the eye. Um so the plot basically is very very simple. Very simple. You have a woman who <laughs> just, just call her throughout the film. I mean woman. throughout the review. Woman yeah. and then there's man. Yeah. You've got Anne. Uh, who's played by Tisa Farrow, who Tisa Farrow is, happens to be Mia Farrow's sister, uh, just, you know, not as widely recognized as Mia Farrow. But you've got uh, Anne, who is looking for her father. He's gone to some random Caribbean island called uh, Matul, where he has obviously been... Are you sure it's not Gorm? Gorm. Gorm Arthur. He's, uh, apparently he's been, uh, he's had some trouble because he hasn't come back. And I just she, like the idea that his boat went from the fucking Caribbean all the way up to New York City's harbor. Yeah. It, and it's not a sailboat, so how did it power <laughs> its way all the way up? I don't know. Was it the zombie that was on board just sitting there yeah. filling it up? Pushed. Get gasoline the entire time? The zombie got in the water and pushed. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. as we'll find out, they can, you know. They can swim. So we've got Anne, and then uh, Peter, played by Ian McCulloch. They're uh, they're heading to Matul, along with uh, a guy, a, a basically a red red bearded dude, <laughs> who uh, is their shuttle to the island, uh, and his uh, his woman. Uh, woman. Huh? His woman friend. His woman. Yeah. His woman friend. Uh, who just randomly likes to to uh, go scuba diving, almost in the nude. She basically has a string thong <laughs> that she wears while scuba diving, and you know what? I don't blame her. It looks freeing. <laughs> it's certainly, you know, you're just going in the water, let the water lap you up while you're basically skinny dipping in front of people you've never met before. They're they're not even phased by it either. They're like, oh god. Well, like, you can see that Peter's Peter got, is, has is, lust in his eyes. Sure does. Sure does. Uh, because yeah, there's a nice ogling scene of his. You know, she's <laughs> she's stripping off, going in scuba diving, and and Peter's Pete. sort of just like, you know, I was Pete. I was feeling up uh, Anne on a crime scene boat, but now I'm interested in this, uh, you know, curly headed woman. Peter used leer. Super yeah. creepy. Not not only <laughs> Which know, by the it, way, the best part about that them Anne and Peter being on that boat, you know, because the New York City Harbor Patrol stops them mm-hmm. to get the cops to let them go. They you know, like fake fooling around mm-hmm. and he's like, Oh yeah, you just you just wanted to come here because the boxcar wasn't good enough. <laughs> like who wrote what this? Are, a hobo? What, like <laughs> what else do tramps like uh, me at Tisa Farrow do? They they have sex in boxcars. They're, <laughs> they're homeless people. I just like it too. The cops like, all right, kids. Well, yeah, get out of here. That's the thing about that opening sequence. That you know, after the the zombie attack and everything, um, and it, so they're treating it obviously like a murder scene. There's a, actually a chalk body outline in there, and he sees this couple in there, and he's not. He's, you know, he's not. Like, oh my god, you've just tampered with a crime scene. He's just like, you kids. And, you know, Ian McCulloch's like 50 years old in this. So, you know, it's not really like just just kids being kids, messing around, you know, smoking a little dope and having some sex. 
Uh, it's not really the case in the, in this, this scenario, but he treats it as such. But anyway, so they, uh, all of them are on a boat heading to Matul, and Matul is known for its um, cursed land, basically. Um, Zombie treats the island as like the mysticism of how you think of like Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness. Of like, there's this uh, mysterious island out there that we haven't, we don't know about. God, and, if only Brando was in this to be Kurt. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, there's you know there's obviously there's uh, there's a native people on this island and they practice voodoo and we don't know anything about them. Which that's also something too. We don't get to see the voodoo priest ringleader. No, we they don't. talk. It, they talk it, about it, them, but we don't ever get. And, to see. and you hear the drums. There's almost, yeah. there's the drums, and and we're actually going to cover a, an actual voodoo zombie film with white zombie. Um later on in this series but yeah we get those like those drum beats and things like that that are pretty reminiscent of the 30s early 30s movies about zombies with voodoo rituals that or weren't J- really or jumanji <laughs> or jumanji but <laughs> but those types of things they weren't really like racially um sensitive sensitive to you know the, the types of like island natives that you would <laughs> that you would have so they they tr- basically they treat them like outsiders and we we don't know their customs uh you know they do i don't know they do weird they do weird native things on this island and we're not trying to understand them we just want to fix them you know that that's basic <laughs> basically that is the um the reason that our main doctor person on the island dr menard uh is there he basically he's there he's like studying this this weird voodoo thing that happens where the dead come back to Not life. even. It doesn't even seem like he is. He just... He seems like the most useless fucking doctor in the world. On his downtime, he's sitting there drinking away, and then on, you know, when he's actually studying, he's like, well, they're gonna die. Tie yeah, him up and shoot him. Yeah, doctor, yeah. why is this happening? I don't know why it's happening. Yeah, he's been there for, <laughs> for a while like, now. I know. It seems like he's been there for like five years, and he's just like, I don't fucking know. And it's like, well... Yeah, what it, I gotta what, help him, and it's like you're not even doing anything to help him. Well, that's what he says. Like, there's a uh, that one time where his assistant comes, uh, the nurse comes to him and says, "Uh, yeah, he's gonna die. Yeah, it looks like he's gonna die." He's like, "We must help them. We must help him." And then he go, they go back, and he just shoots him in the fucking head with a blanket around his head. I'm like, oh, that was your help. Okay, you're putting him out, <laughs> putting him mis- out of his misery. Gotcha. Yeah, that Doctor Menard. Useless. He's, uh, he's sort- yeah, it's like he's like the white savior character though, who's like, I must help these natives from whatever this <laughs> curse is. I've I've got to figure it out scientifically, and gets absolutely nowhere. And actually, uh, is partly the reason why all of these people die. Die because Doctor Menard just won't give it up. He, you know, maybe the curse was put on the island because he's been there for too long. You maybe. know, and. He's been, you know, running around like, well, voodoo's a bunch of bullshit. And they're like, oh, I'll show you, you know. And we can't really come to that conclusion about Anne's father. Because Anne's father was on the island as well, but he ended up dying before uh, Anne gets there. And so we don't really know that much about her father in the in terms of, like, what he's been doing on the island. He said he just wanted to be there because he's like, I'm fascinated. I need to learn. Yeah. Why? 
is like you don't see him like day two down, you know, or, yeah. you know, like a journal or anything. It's just, oh, I got to be down there with my good friend Doctor Menard. Yeah, that's the thing about Doctor Menard too. Is like we we don't even see him doing any scientific things. Like he literally, there's like no test tubes. <laughs> All I actually I take that back. We do see one where he's the, dropping blood the, on a slide, but other than that. We're not Wilford Brimley. He is not. Yeah, we're not even treated to like the mad scientist part of him. It, we, basically, we're just looking at him as though like he's just not doing anything. He's he's you know, there's just no way for him to ever figure this out because he's not doing the things that need to be done to figure it out. So they ultimately they're all doomed because of the white savior. <laughs> uh, but anyway, Anne and this group haphazard group are heading there. They, for some reason, they take a stop because uh, uh, Susan needs to go scuba diving and, and photograph stuff underwater for some reason. And that's when we get that zombie shark attack. Do you think they threw the shark in there like, to be like Jaws bait? I mean, in a way, like you can see that sort of... And, and at this time, too, there was... You know, we're getting... Jaws and all the offshoots of Jaws. Yeah, Cruel Jaws, things like that, that uh, those were right in that time frame. And yes, I I do think that in a way they were throwing this in there as like, you know what would be cool? We have a shark in here too, you know? (laughs) And uh, so, yeah. And I I won't say that it was for nothing because it, it is a cool scene. And that poor stunt guy, who the you know playing the zombie has to be underwater, literally wrestling the shark? It's fucking stupid. Oh, you think it's stupid? Yeah. Well, it's stupid for the plot for sure. It doesn't it doesn't add anything to the plot for zombie. Like if we didn't have that scene, I don't need to see a, a zombie fighting a shark. I don't need a shark just randomly appearing. But you didn't see that in Romero's film. Good. <laughs> Got bikers instead. Bikers having a grand old time at the mall, being dipshits and assholes, and Hare Krishnas. That's what I want. More Hare Krishnas in my zombie films. I don't know. I, I, I think it's a cool scene. Is it necessary? Is you know no. Is it is it stupid in a plotting way for storyline? Yeah. Is it cool still? Yeah. It's literally like a bros bro. Like you know what what people men like, and they're gonna come see this movie for. Boobies, sharks, zombie fighting shark. You've got all three right in that scene. Yeah, exactly. What, what more can you ask for? Zombies groping boobies. Shark groping oh, here's some zo- sea- zombie. Here's some seaweed. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate zombie weapon. Seaweed. I'm pretty sure that's how you took out the tyrant in, you know, Resi 3. Yeah, yeah. But... So no, I th- I think it's stupid. I, I like I don't get any enjoyment from it. I thought it was pretty. It, it's pretty cool. It, it, it's it's more. It didn't help that the Blu-ray was skipping at that point yeah, too. Was, so yeah. it, the tension was lost. But it's more an element of that was that's cool that they did that in a very dangerous way. You know, it's <laughs> like this could have gone Twilight Zone the movie, but it didn't. So we have this documented as a. A cool thing that happened when the cinema rules were not as strict and people weren't checking up on your productions all the time <laughs> and you, you could do what you want and maybe not have the, the permits to film it. Did you kill that shark? No. <laughs> yeah. Dead shark. Yeah, yeah. 
Carry on. Yeah. Um, once we've gotten through that part of it with the zombie shark element, though, everybody survives that. You know, surprisingly, they survive it. But the one thing that it does add to the storyline is that it, it causes them to have to stop at the island. They, they have to stop because how are they going to get back? The, the, the shark damaged their boat. So they've got to stop. And that's what gets them to the island where the zombies have taken over. Um, You'd think the guys that ride, uh, shuttle this boat that know the area would be like the guy talking to fucking Vince Vaughn and the Lost World, like, oh, no, that's East Nubar. No, no. Right. We don't go, you know? Well, they do say <laughs> that it's cursed and that, but, but he, they're, they're okay with going, I guess. They don't, you know, they're just like, well, I don't know. That's what this movie needs, Vince Vaughn. <laughs> yeah, it does. That'd be great. <laughs> zombie remake with Vince Vaughn. <laughs> Basically, like the Psycho remake, just shot for shot, but with yeah, Vince just, Vaughn. Just like, oh. Um, let's talk about the... Because we, we talked about the scene with the zombies and the sharks, which is a very iconic moment from Zombie. Let's talk about the other iconic moment, which is the um, eye-skewering scene, uh, which has probably the... Um, the the biggest gore effect of the film, um, and one of the one of the elements of Italian cinema, eyes, because everybody and especially Fulci loves eyes. What did you think about that scene, especially since it's the first time that you've seen it? It's pretty cool. Wow, you're saying it's pretty cool. People in the '80s were like, "Holy shit!" That eye gouging scene. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's definitely um. Definitely, even today, you know, kind of like a little bit skin curdling because just you think of just thinking about you know slowly, and they he perfectly does shoot like yeah the eye and then yeah. the wood and the eye and the well, wood and then you actually it's not like it, you see like from <laughs> you actually you know get to see you know wood going you know through like a prosthetic eye close up, but it looks you know done well enough to where it's like ooh you know like you yeah, know you know that's you know like you know it's it's the it's, you know, special effects. It's still, like, you know, little skin crawling. You're like, oh, you know, shit. Because that, that, you can just think of how awful that would be. Yeah, I think it's the um, the slow procession to it. You know, how Fulci sh- shoots that uh, with the pacing. So you have, um, well, for one thing, with Olga Carlo- Car- Carlados, I'm probably saying her name incorrectly, um, but you have, she has some prominent eyes already like you know they've already shown how startlingly green her eyes are so they've set that up already and then you have in that scene the zombie attack where it's pounding through the door and she actually shuts the door and cuts off the zombie's fingers and she leans back against the door and she thinks oh okay well i'm safe now because i've locked it out and then it bursts through the door. grabs her skull and just, like, you know, slowly dragging so, her. Yeah, so you have that tense moment of thinking that she might be safe and then bursting through. And then you have that really slow scene of showing her head just creeping closer and closer with her eye creeping closer and closer to the splinter with the focal lens of, you know, showing mm-hmm. how, you know, it's both showing and hiding how close she actually is to that splinter. Um... And then 
you're you're right with the the prosthetic. I mean, now looking at it, and especially we're watching it in 4K UHD, you can tell that it's, it's a, prosthetic. a prosthetic. But at the same time, it's filmed and edited in such a way that it's not really relying on the prosthetic to be on screen that often. It's so pretty he, quick, though. Yeah, he, he, I mean, they're showing it gouge into the eye and then cutting away and showing it from the opposite angle of seeing her head getting you know, right, pushed in right, her yeah. head pushing in as though that's actually happening and so that that combination of cuts is really good because it's not just relying on the special effect work it's relying on the editing and the, the shots yeah, the editing the actress being able to sell the idea that she's actually getting pushed mm. into splinters and then not only that but after you see the eye gouging you have that other shot of her eye coming off of the splinter mm. with it, with, you know, the prosthetic effect on her eye, which is another good thing because there's, it's that quick edit mm. of going from seeing, you know, the fake prosthetic to then seeing that splinter in her eye that I think is, is still a pretty good effect to this day. I agree. And it also shows that these zombies actually have a little thought to them too. Yeah. Yeah. They, that... they have some, you know, some ideas on, how to kill they're not just biting they're not just you know mindless yeah ripping um and that brings me to uh another interesting point about these zombies did you notice that most of the time these zombies don't open their eyes is not the case with most zombies they generally are you know wide-eyed blank-eyed but they have their eyes open in this film it's pretty generally seen that they don't open their eyes um, so I think that gives them a, an interesting characteristic because they're not relying on sight to know, like, who to attack. They're really relying on scent or, um, well, probably most, mostly scent, uh, uh, of their hunger to, you know, attack. I think it's interesting. It's not something that we see in most zombie movies that they don't open their eyes. Um, yeah, weird. Different. Uh, so once these characters get to the island, what, what did you think about that? I think that the, I think zombie has a fairly slow open. It takes a while. It's, 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 you it's know, a 90 man film in the first 45 minutes is them fucking lollygagging. Yeah. It takes a while for, I mean, and there's a couple kills spread out in the beginning, but it takes a while to really get into the meat of the film because we're waiting for our main character who we really quickly find out is, um, uh, Anne. We're waiting for them to even get to the island and experience the zombies on the island. Um, and so that doesn't really happen until about halfway through the film. So once they get to the island, I feel like the pacing really picks up from there. Um, it, in the last like 20, 30 minutes, I think we get a lot more action uh, from the zombies because that's when they start to rise. You know, we, we, we stumble onto the Spanish conquistadores. Uh, <laughs> as our uh, as our dubbing tells us what they are. And um, I think from there, once the zombies really start to rise out of their grave, like Night of the Living Dead style, um, that's when the film picks up and really finds its pacing. Um, with that, you know, you get all the zo- the good zombie effects from there because we're I w- seeing... I would say it's like mainly just the last... 15 minutes. 15 minutes. Because yeah. even when they get to the island, it's still like a fucking Walking Dead episode. Mm. Doctor, they're sick. I can't figure it out, damn it. 
What are we going to do? Right. They say it's voodoo. I don't know. Go and, like, look off. Come back. Doctor, they're still sick. I don't know what to do. <laughs> Go I do- see the gang. I don't know what we're doing here. What would my father do? Go back to the doctor. I don't know what, you know. Just... Yeah. I do think that the film is a little confused at first about what, like, what it wants to do. Especially with the voodoo element. You know, when the drums come up and stuff like that, it seems like the film is going in a different direction. You know, that there's actually some sort of, um, besides the zombies, there's another force. It would have been nice to see, like, like a voodoo priest or something, you know, mm-hmm. kind of guiding. I mean, we get the hints of that's what's happening, but at the same, you know. Right. It's not shown. It's, yeah, it's, it, we don't get that. And so, it's it almost seems like when those drums start to be creeping up, and uh, even the one <clears throat> the one girl... It's like, I can't take it anymore. I can't listen to these drums. Um, you know, that it seems like we're heading in that direction with the, the voodoo elements and, and an actual like human conflict there, uh, which we really don't get. And so I think that when we're in that like 50 minute range, th- there's a disconnect between what the plot wants to do and what it eventually ends up doing with the zombies. So it takes a while for that to work through. Uh, until you actually get the zombies um, to rise in, in greater depth and see them attack. I think that last 15 minutes or so is pretty action-packed, though. It doesn't really stop from there. Ripped a lot from night. Right. <laughs> that whole, like, you know, them being trapped in the bar and the Molotovs and then them breaking in. I think <laughs> yeah, I, I think, from night. I think that the rise of the zombies is a lot like night as well, except obviously there's more gore effects mm. to this, more more zombie special effects work. Uh, a lot more rotten. Um, yes. In this case, and uh, Bolshe loves to use like worms and maggots on his uh zombies, like in the eyes, on the face, mm. to get across. I like that m- another like gag reflex for for viewers. You know. That. Well, as I told you, and it's not just this film, but a lot of Italian films, like when there's someone dying or about to die, like they love having the fucking flies swarming. They could be like a. Nice, you know, sterile area, and even still, you got the flies still <laughs> yeah. gathering around. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know. yeah. Um, I think that the bites are really good. The special effects work for the bites and the zombies. Do so you really want to talk about this. the special effects? Do we want to talk about? It? Let's talk about the sure. special go effects. Go for it. So this film, in comparison to Dawn, mm-hmm. bite mark you know, like the bite effects are definitely like. Inspired by Dawn, billion times better. Right. Because one of the best things that sucks about Dawn, even though it's such a great film, the zombies and the effects overall, when it comes to like the zombie bites, not that good. They're lackluster. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You expect uh, even to see even more. for even for that time period, they're pretty. You know. Yeah. Pretty painfully, you know, done. Mm-hmm. Here, the zombies look great. Yep. The, spe- the makeup and special effects for, you know, the zombies in this film are easily the best part of this film. Top-notch, look great. They, the way they look so decayed and decrepit compared even, to... Even, like, the, the people that they got to play the zombies, like, they really got people that even kind of looked emaciated. Yeah. You know, they not even with the makeup, but just in general, they looked emaciated. Well, even, even like, the extras, they went full all out and made sure, like, you yep. know, they looked, you know... Gored up nice and good, you yeah. know, and like you said, like the maggots and the centipede and stuff. Nice, nice touch. Mm-hmm. Com- like, and you compare that to Dawn, where they're just wearing fucking like this purplish gray makeup, and it's like, yeah. you know, yeah. 
can't be a shit. Yeah. Here it looks great. Bite marks, they're like Dawn's, like the way they kind of, you see like the skin and the muscle tear away, but instead of it being like kind of cartoon, cartoony looking, it's actually, you know, looks, you know, detailed. Like they added like, you know, different types of, There's like, actually you know, meat. one that's like literally a chomp. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, they, you know, they like, it looks like they added actual, like, you know, like meat and blood and stuff to make it look actually, you know, realistic mm-hmm. and much more, you know, violent. The effects definitely in this film are, as with, like, we talked about earlier, with, like, the eye, you know, the eye gouge scene, too. Really well done. You know, that's, uh, if there was a reason to see this film, I'd say, for the effects alone. Because, again, as we were talking about with, like, the soundtrack, you know, influencing Day of the Dead, I really think the effects in this film influence, you know, Savini's work on Day of the Dead, which I don't know if he worked on this or not, because he definitely made sure to be much more detailed. You know, and I think that also benefit too, being like, you know, eight years down the road where the effects were better, but it was a lot more detailed and everything, you know, you compare that to like at the end when Rhodes is getting, you know, torn apart and you're getting to see all the intestines and everything, you know, never would have done that, like, you know, in a film around this time period. So, Mm. yeah, I, I, I think the special effects are really good in this as well. Um, the prosthetics and everything look really good. The the meatiness of of the bites are uh it's visceral. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um and it really it really works. And even like the exploding heads and things like that are really well done. Or uh one that, that really stands out is like when they smash heads in. It's mm-hmm. like really well done as well with the whole smashing the head in and you know, seeing the neck um viscera still like on the screen. It's really good. I, I like that a lot. I actually liked when they shot him in the head with like a pistol, you know, like a revolver. It didn't blow their head off. Right, like, right. You, you, you got just to see had like the, the, you know, yeah, the regular like bullet hole. Yeah, not, not a hole. You yeah, know, explosion. Yeah. Um, let's see. We we haven't talked about uh, Fabio Frizzi's, uh soundtrack very much. You know, we said that in, in, in a little bit of ways it is reminiscent of like the Goblin synth scores, uh, but. In, it, he goes his own separate way here, and obviously there's a Caribbean influence on um, the sound of what we're hearing, for, for, especially when they go to the island. Um, but the main theme of Zombie, I think, is a banger. I really like that, that uh, synth score that they gave to the main theme that we get towards the end with the action, because I think it adds, it ratchets up some of that tension when you have that. Um, almost like Marshall B. It's like ding, 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 ding. It's very, um, you know, thudding. Very, very uh, well-paced beat to it. What do you, what do you think about Freezy's work here? It's all right. Um, so I think some, you know, some of it's memorable. Some of it's, you know, kind of throwaway. Yeah, I think that you know the the main theme of Zombie is really good. You're right. Where that kind of, that, as you said, that nice beat that's going. The way you kind of pace that out makes me think, like, you know, the opening, like, beats the Warriors, you know, theme. Mm. Like, you know, ding, 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 you know. Right. So, you know, that was good. I mean, it's not like, you know, I do I do like the, that they were, you know, use Caribbean influences on the synth. You know, it makes for interesting sounds. Uh, it's definitely got, like, an overall kind of, you know, just Italian, like, giallo style, like, you know, like, slow, like you just listen to the synths kind of, like, build and build and, like, the kind of, like, a just constant, like, thudding, you know, like, not that it's, like, the drum beat, but just, like, constant, like, you know, like, a heartbeat that's going on throughout the soundtrack. 
you know, nice touch. Um, it's got, like I said, it's hard to beat Goblin though. Yeah, I think there's some <laughs> like some downbeat moments of uh, of this score as well, where you know there's not a whole lot happening in the in the score. It's um, you know it it it's uh, not meant to drive the pop, but just to be in the background, real just re- legitimately be in the background where you don't notice it so much. But there's something there, you know. And then the other way that they um, structure that is when you're on the island, especially in the nighttime scenes, there's just like wind, just. You know, that's like one thing that they use as a sound effect to have something in the background, um, you know, when there's action going on. I think that um, I'll have to see other zombie films, but I think a zombie film like this, the Italian style of like directing and sound editing does a disservice because the fact that they're, you know, dubbing every fucking thing over. There's, you know, a lot of, like, sound effects within the film that could be naturally generated mm-hmm. that just yeah. sound, you know, like, yeah. crap. Right, unnatural. You know, and just, you know... Yeah, but one thing that I pointed out is, like, when they drop the, the blood on the slide. Yeah. It's, like, like, very, like... Yeah. Like, you know, that, that obviously is not how... Blood, blood hitting, like... When you, it, it probably doesn't even make a sound. You probably don't yeah. even hear anything, but, but in movie score world... You gotta have every little thing that you're showing like make a sound. Mm-hmm. It's gotta, you know, gotta be uh, exaggerated. Yeah, you know, I it, just think the night scenes could have been so much more impactful instead of having like a fucking hurricane level, like <laughs> yeah. you know, like Twister's coming, go home, Dorothy. You know, yeah. if, you, if you had like just like a natural breeze, like you know, kind of breeze like humming in the background mm-hmm. or something. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, it's like they they added those wind turbines, yeah. in, the, in the background. I, I, but again, like that's just. A natural product of the way they film shit. They, you know, yeah, absolutely. Film you know, it, it was, so they can dub it all over. It was, you know, because it was. Uh, there were always joint productions of. Yeah, you know, we got some. We got some English speaking people. We got, got some, some Italian speaking people. We got some Spanish speaking people over there. You know, mm. and and you know, how do we reconcile that? Mm. We're just going to dub it all later. Um, I don't think that Tisa Farrow is dubbed here, though. I, I think that's her actual voice in 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 that, but. I could be wrong. I don't. Not an expert on on zombie. Um. So the other thing that um I wanted to talk about, and now I'm like drawing a blank on what I wanted <laughs> to talk about. Why am I drawing a blank? Um. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, the women of the film because we didn't talk about the women. We mentioned it in the beginning, but we didn't talk about the women of the film. Uh, this they're all Barbara. Yeah, they that, that <laughs> is when you said Night of the Living Dead taking taking uh, from Night of the Living Dead. That's a perfect example of stealing from Night of the Living Dead is having your woman character who literally cannot do anything. Um, and there's no Ben in this film to guide them. That's right. <laughs> and you know, it's not just one female character that does that. It's it's everyone. It's it's um, you know, Anne who stops and basically just. Cr- tries to crawl against the wall when a zombie attacks her. <laughs> um, you know, she's just scrunched against the wall. You have um, the uh, S- Susan, who um, is basically just struck with terror when a zombie is approaching, and the zombie's across the room, and these are slow-moving zombies, and Susan has <laughs> ample time to hightail it out of there and does not. And eventually succumb. So you have like 
Those the, nur- the-, the nurse can't do anything without the doctor's, you know, approval. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, and again, like with the, with that scene with the nurse, um, she at least does fight off the zombie at first. So that's that's more to her credit than some of the other women in this in this film. But but certainly, you know that that is, um, you know, there's there's definitely a lack of female. Um, you know, motivation in this film to do anything besides follow the men's advice. Um, two, obviously, the a disservice to the film because the situation just seems so unrealistic when you see like the characters completely just st- struck dumbfounded about what to do. You know, it's it's obviously um, kind of stupid when you see it like that. And then the same is true of Night of the Living Dead when Barbara is literally having a panic attack and and not able to move or do anything it's johnny yeah yeah exactly so uh, unfortunately (laughs) it does take from that element as well you can say the same thing too though about um brian who at the end yeah he's he's like he he, but he's got a gun and at this point he's shot like 20 different zombies but he still hasn't learned his lesson right right you know stop shooting him in the gut Fucking put it up to your shoulder and put it in their head. Well, not only that, but at the end, he's confronted by Susan. And he's like... And he can't do anything. He, again, he's a deer in the headlights. He can't do anything. And that, that's a problem, though, I have generally with, like, a lot of zombie films is, like, people, you know... People they, 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 they have this understanding of, like, how the mechanics of the universe works when it comes to dying and turning into a zombie. And they're all fine with that. And then as soon as they have, it's, like, a loved one, they're like, yeah. I don't know what... Can, confronted with a loved one and and you just can't do it's it. It's like really you saw her, you know, get, you know, bit in the neck. Take yeah. the rifle butt bash her in the head and go on your merry way. Get the hell out of there. That always is an <laughs> annoying point because yeah, you're right. They've they've already been murdered if in their case, if they really had a problem with it, they've just murdered like twenty different mm-hmm. people uh by, you know, bashing them in the head, shooting them in the head, and now you're confronted with one person that you can't do anything about. Um so yeah, that's another unrealistic element of the film, and and that one is doesn't happen to be a female. But in general, females are pretty weak characters in this <laughs> film, even though um, Anne ends up surviving. I was almost the way it was kind of going at the end. I was kind of thinking they're all going to just die in that barn and just be like, Anne. yeah, with like you know, like hearing the voodoo drum beat or something like. Dun, 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 dun. How do you feel about the the downbeat ending? Because though they don't end up dying in the barn. They are going to be heading back to New York City, and they feel like they need to take Brian back as proof that they actually encountered zombies on this island, or you know, face—I don't know—face the death penalty for for murder or something. <laughs> um, and we then we get reports that New York City is actually overrun again. They're in the Caribbean. What boat are they on? That's getting from the Caribbean up to New York City. Yeah, you skip. Skip right through, and you know, I don't know how far out from the <laughs> harbor were they to get that signal. Like you know, they're actually sailing across around the world, literally. That's <laughs> how they're doing it. It's gonna take them a while, but yeah, like oh, this one's got a real good AM boost, you know, signal. We'll you know, be able yeah. to pick up New York. And then, I mean, I do like it that it's like you know, it's kind of like you know. um Shit, uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, you know, yeah, yeah, like, you know, that's, that's a great downbeat ending. This isn't as great. I like, I like the idea, like, oh, uh, I would rather they make it to New York City and see it's become a hellscape 
I understand why they didn't, because that probably would have cost an exorbitant. Oh, so you don't want to have the cut, basically, of just cutting to New York City and seeing the hellscape, you know, the zombies. Uh, what hellscape? The it's just them walking on, like, the Brooklyn Bridge. But, so, <laughs> and, but you actually wanted to see the characters make it back. Yeah, like, back to the harbor. like normal. Yeah, like, walking around, like, oh, where is everybody or mm. something? And then, like, you know... That yeah, be, that would have been pretty effective, and it would have been similar to Evasion of the Body Snatchers, where they they make it back thinking normal, you know, and then they see like one person who, you know, obviously it was Don Sutherland, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I think that would be an interesting idea for the ending. Um, you know, that zombies marching across the bridge is pretty iconic of an of a image as well. But I, I can yeah, well, see, you know, I can yeah. see why you have problems Yeah, well, with here's it. the problem with it, is as they're marching across the bridge, there's fucking traffic going on it, freely, right. like it's just another right. day in New York Because there was no uh, permit to shut down <laughs> yeah. the bridge for, for filming, so they were like, eh, you know what, <laughs> cars are zooming by, but, you know. Oh, well, sorry. as we've seen in the pandemic, people go to work mm. just like normal, doesn't matter. You know, I've got work to do. Um, they're the same way when they're in the zombie apocalypse, they're, you know, well... <laughs> He's actually Papers like, gotta get filed. Zombie Tim driving like the pizza truck. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, but I, I get what you're saying about how that kind of takes away from the apocalyptic um, uh, zombie approach of just saying like, oh, you know, people in the cars down below on the bridge. They're like, what the fuck is that parade doing up there? I know. <laughs> you know? Hell, uh, today that'd be like normal. Like, oh, it's National Zombie Day. Here comes right, the assholes, right. you know, marching yeah. across. Yeah, it sort of takes away from the effect of uh, the apocalypse happening. And, but uh, at the same time, you're getting that radial broadcast of like, uh, they're at the door. <laughs> they're breaking the, the, in. The, the, the National Guard can use rockets. Oh, God, they're coming. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I get that, though. I, I, think, <coughs> I think your idea is a good one to have them actually make it back thinking like i get why they like i said i get why they didn't because that probably would have cost like yeah they're probably like oh we don't have no more lira we can't do it <laughs> yeah right right yeah what they could do was film the vo- zombie scene and the boat scene at the same time mm. and, I, and that's what they did um so yeah i get it but yeah but a downbeat ending all the same you know obviously they've made it to a world where it's spread now I like Which it. that is a sh- uh, kind of a shame of this film too is um, I don't know it's it's probably because I've grown so so used to zombie films and everything's already going to hell. Here they're like it's the ending of the remake of Dawn of the Dead. They got to the island, mm-hmm. then what? And then they're like, oh, sh- you know, yeah, right. And, and, like, shit, let's let's go back to the mainland. Um. For the island, you sort of have, like, the claustrophobic element of them being trapped on the island, but at the same time, you it's a very limited scope. Like, you don't, li- there's, they, like, six people, you know? They, they try to make the island seem bigger than it is, but it's like, yeah, they can- it doesn't feel big at all, because it's literally just basically on the outskirts of that town that they're in, and then... The it's actually hard to understand the dynamics, the of, the dynamics of the island, because they keep mentioning, like, they've just driven and then driven into a tree... And, um, you know, they've got to get, uh, you know, Peter back to a hospital. And Which, how did so he snap his they, ankle like that? I don't know. In that car ac- crash. He's, they just slammed him to a tree and somehow his ankle fucking... He was getting a foot massage and his foot was tucked up it just, on it, the passenger the, you know, the front just... passenger seat. And then, it, you know, <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I assume. Um, 
But uh, yeah, so they were talking about this island and they or this hospital, and they basically just walk back to the hospital. It's, it's, it can't be that far. So the dynamics of how big this island are and what's on the island are not really well defined, and especially because we never see any voodoo people. Uh, you know, like the voodoo leader, but we hear the drums. Like, where the fuck are these people? If they're drumming somewhere, like, why don't we ever stumble upon those people? Um, so yeah, yeah, the, the island is sort of a mystique of, you know, how big is it? You know, how small is it? Because that they could have, especially with the whole voodoo thing, they could have definitely played with like the island being like, uh, just like that area that they're in, but the, like actually showed them like running in circles or something. Mm. You know, you could have done something with that, like you know, like. Oh, this island's like they like you know Brian and Susan they right, go right. from island to island, so they know they should know the area, and they, so they're like, right. no, like you know, like what the hell, like, we're just going in circles or something, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead, it's sort of just like let's walk, and they stumble upon the hospital. Yeah, go from there. Um, anything else that you can think of that we haven't talked about yet? That's about it. All right, all right. So all I have. All right, so let's give. Zombie two, or yeah, or zombie two, uh, a rating on a scale on a scale of. Mm-hmm. You could jump in if you. Uh, you no, no, you're you're the one that. Uh, I'm trying to think of something decrease very, the uh, very creative here. The rate that. scale. Um. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing's coming. On a, okay, on a scale of ten hysterical women, <laughs> what, what would you give Zombie or Zombie Two? I'll give it a six. Okay. Uh, like almost every Italian film I've seen, the plot is bare bones. The characters are wooden, awful, pedantic, uninteresting, and you can't be invested in them. Yeah. Um. It has some interesting ideas. I do like the voodoo idea for the zombies. Um, I think they could have done more to expound upon that, you know, make it more interesting. Like I said, like, you know, kind of show how the island's trapped in a fog, show kind of more like how the voodoo zombies actually work. Because it's not like it's uh, leaving mystery for the sake of mystery and it makes it more intriguing. Um, because the film has a lot of padding, even in its 90 minute runtime. So they could have done that to make it more interesting. Um, the pinnacle of this film is the special effects. If there was any reason to watch this film, I would say for the gore and the special effects, it's very well done. Uh, I can definitely like that zombie two poster itself looks really good. You know, that artwork of the zombies prosthetics looks very good. Um, I can see how it's a film, if you're a fan of zombie films, that it's a must-watch because of the effects itself. Um, However, as a film overall, I think it's, even at 90 minutes, it's slow, and it's kind of at times a hard watch. Just because of how fucking boring and uninteresting and how meandering the plot is. I think if it was more grounded like most Italian films, instead of fucking wandering off from idea to idea... It was a little bit more grounded, like a Romero film, which I hate to kind of compare it to, but if it was at least a little bit more grounded in its idea, it'd be a much more interesting watch. 
Um, I'm going to give it an eight. I think that it's, uh, I, I think that it's pretty fun. Um, you know, and, and not watching it specifically for the plot itself. Um, which I think, it, you know, it has an interesting idea for the plot. Um, I like the Caribbean setting. I like the, uh, bringing it off of the mainland a little bit. Um, and I like the white savior approach to this, though it's not really expounded upon, you know, and we don't get a lot of information about voodoo here. Uh, but you have, you know, some of the uh, interesting ideas about like Spanish conquistadors coming to the island. While that doesn't really play into anything very much besides uh, the one guy getting to say conquistadors, conquistadores. Um, you know, there is a white savior element to the doctor here that um, they should have gone into more detail on. Uh, the other thing that I like a lot is the, I like Fabio Frizi's score, especially the theme song. I think that's really strong. Um, and then I like the gore effects quite a bit. I think that is really a reason to watch this film. You definitely want to check it out for the gore effects. Even now, um, very still hold up very well um, and are strong altogether, uh, especially the zombie effects, because when those kick in in the last you know 20 minutes, those are pretty strong uh, with a nice uh, squeamishness of insects and bugs and worms and stuff like that. Um, I do think that there are some definite flaws in the plotting. Um, it's not, it's, it at least has a storyline that does flow from point A to point B. There are some places where we kind of lose that plotting for a little bit and jump off onto tangents like the zombie shark element. Uh, but I think we get, for the most part, we get a pretty resounding, um, successful plotting which is not always the case for Fulci films or other Italian um, horror films uh, in this case it does have a, a pretty solid plot from beginning to end so I would give it an 8 um, as a horror fan certainly uh, one of those films just like Dawn of the Dead that is pretty influential um, in, a, in a little bit of a different way than Dawn of the Dead but similarly um, yeah, that's zombie for you. Um, so next week, I got to look at the schedule. I can't even remember the schedule. I don't remember what we decided on for, uh, next week's show. Let me just take a look here. I made the schedule and then I completely don't even remember what it was because because it's just been that kind of week. Let's see. So we've got uh, next week, Return of the Living Dead on 925. So return, you've seen Return of the Living Dead, the original, right? It's been a long, long time. Okay. I've only well, seen it like maybe once or twice. It's a very fun film. Uh, just watched it not too long ago, like maybe a couple of years ago. I'm pretty sure they used to play it like, 15 years ago on AMC all the time. I think you're thinking of part two. Part two was played a lot. Not, uh, I don't know about the first one so much, but the second one was like always on um, AMC or sci-fi, something like that. Um, so it's a very fun film. Um, it's got a lot of great uh, moments to it, a lot of great uh, lines, you know, in, in terms of uh, both horror and comedy. Um, it's kind of like tongue in cheek horror, so should be fun. Should be a fun show. Uh, and then uh, just running through what we've got coming up. 
later on for the show. We've got 28 days later on October 2nd, Train to Busan on October 9th, which will be a first for both of us. Um, on October 16th, we've got, obviously, Reanimator. We've got to do that in a reanimated schedule. On October 23rd, we're going to do White Zombie, the original White Zombie with Bella Lugosi. And on October 30th, day before Halloween, we've got Shaun of the Dead. We're going to cover uh, the other side of zombie films with a, a nice uh, comedy to round things out. So hopefully you'll stick around for our reanimated series as we continue through our Halloween schedule. Uh, thanks for listening. Obviously, we've got to run through our social media stuff. So you can find us on uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, pretty much any podcasting app you can think of. We're on it. So subscribe to us and leave us a nice review. We appreciate that. Uh, we are on Facebook at facebook.com slash blood and black rum podcast. We are on Twitter at face, uh, twitter.com slash blood and black rum. And we also have an email at bloodandblackrumpodcast at gmail.com where you can write to us, let us know about the show, how much you like it, what you want to hear us cover for uh, subsequent episodes. And uh, as always, you can donate to us on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash bloodandblackrumpodcast. Uh, we do this uh, from our own pockets, or at least my pocket. Um, and the beer, <laughs> beer costs come out of both of our pockets. Uh, so anything that you can <laughs> provide to keep us running, or if you want to donate some beer to us, uh, to cover on the show is, uh, anything that you can provide, uh, is certainly appreciated. So check out our Patreon and, uh, subscribe if you, uh, if you have the cash. Thanks for listening. Hopefully you have a great Halloween season and we will see you back next week for Return of the Living Dead. Take care. <laughs>